0: This is the Without Losing Your Cool podcast. We have entrepreneurs, climate changers, entertainers, and survivors turned thrivers. You do not want to miss a thing. Oh my God, I can't believe we finally did it. I mean, this is my third year doing my podcast, and I think I've asked you every single year (laughs) since I started to be on. So thank you.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pumped that we finally got together to do this. It has literally been years in the making.
0: <laughs> it has been years in the making. I can't believe it. Okay. I For everybody listening, I'm going to let you just tell my listeners who you are I, because I mean, I know you and I love you and I love, so where I came to know you first was as an independent publisher, because mm-hmm. we have a mutual friend, in my publisher. So Sabrina, who is the publisher of YGT media now has gone on to st- create another publishing house. You guys were Instagram friends and that's how I became first associated with you. So let's start a little bit. Let's start there on okay. your publishing journey.
1: Yeah, gosh, that was an accidental business, as many of my businesses have been. <laughs> it was one of those things where Sabrina and I actually met in another publishing house. That's where we came to know one another and we decided to go our own way and go into the publishing industry because we had, you know, each understood the power of what happens when people start sharing their stories. And so I had only ever intended to create one book, <laughs> one collaborative book. I'm like, great, we did it. This is awesome. We had a huge event around it. And I was like, I think that's it. And then it was the event and in the in the feedback and the support from the auth- for the authors that made me go like, maybe we should do this again. And that turned into two books, which turned into a trilogy. And then we launched a whole other series, which turned into seven or eight. And then we did a couple of private publishing projects as well for solo author and someone else doing a collaborative book. So it just kind of turned into this thing that happened really with no level of intention or planning. I just ended up becoming a publisher and did that for, gosh, many years, three-ish years maybe. Yeah. And we published over one hundred and twenty authors in that time period. And so, yeah, that's that's how you and I came <laughs> to know one another was, yeah, through sabrina and and I love the work that she's done in her publishing house. So I, I totally get when I see all of your, you know, promotional posts when it comes to your book and your events that you're doing, I understand the magnitude of what you're doing when you're putting yourself out there to share your story and the lessons that you've learned in all of the life experiences that you've had, because it's literally how you support people in changing their life. And it starts by shifting someone's perspective and making them feel normalized in the experience that they're having. And so that was my world of publishing, which gosh, literally as we record this, our final author just went live on Amazon as of like a few days ago. (laughs) very very recent. So that that literally no pun intended, but we're closing the chapter on my publishing house because my focus is needing to be in other places these days. But yeah, it's it's interesting that we're talking about this and we we are celebrating our final publishing project right now.
0: That's wild. So you accomplished all that for so many women or people who had stories to tell. In did you say 4 years you published 120? Yeah, three titles? or 4 years. Yeah. Which is why – it's a big reason why I wanted to have you on to talk to my listeners because I am continually blown away by and – I, and I don't want to say speed because I feel like speed has a negative connotation. But the way that you are so efficient at moving through things that you're called to do. Mm-hmm. Like the publishing has – like when you think publishing, you think, oh, 120 titles. That would, that would take – you know, a decade, 20 years to move through that many titles. But it's something that I respect about you so much is this ability that you have to literally get shit done. And not only do you get shit done, but the way you encourage inspire other people to get their shit done too, you know what I mean? And it's just... I feel like I've learned so much from just hanging because, you know, Sarah's in Alberta. I'm obviously in Toronto. So we haven't had the ability to like meet in person, but through the years of following each other, we share so many common ideals about, you know, the human experience. So, and that was also another reason I wanted to have you on. Yeah, sure. You did the publishing. That's how we came to know each other. And I am in awe of all that you accomplished in that. But so, through your publishing, is that where monetized your mind came from? And I want, I really want to talk about that. Yeah. I am.
1: Not at all, actually. <laughs>
0: really? Yeah. It's interesting.
1: So when I, when I look back on my last call it six years being full-time in entrepreneurship, I, I also sit back and go like, Holy shit. That's a lot of things that have been accomplished yeah. In a relatively short period of time. And I agree that there's a negative connotation with speed because then we automatically go to hustle and then we think hustle, we think it's unhealthy. And I think it all depends on our relationship with hustle. I think if if we don't understand the modes in which we operate naturally, then the, the ability to work hard and fast can become really harmful to a person but I am one of those people that are built (laughs) to be able to work hard and fast. That's my, that's my natural state. And so my goal over the last several, you know, more recent years as I've gone through a lot of changes in the last couple of years specifically has been to really hone in on where my heart is feeling pulled to go because I had clearly demonstrated to myself I had a women's empowerment leadership business straight out of my my corporate world. Naturally, a year into that, people started asking me, "How how did you do that? How did you start this online? How do you get all the tech things working? What do you do? And that's what started my business coaching on the side. So I've always been doing that on the side. Even when I was running the publishing house, I was still supporting business owners in either creating new streams of income in their existing business or... I was helping them start it from scratch because they too were following a very similar path to me where I was done with the nine to five grind and wanted to to create a life with more freedom in it for myself because I was really starting to challenge the status quo several years ago and stopped making sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so the publishing house was more when when it comes to the relationship that it has with Monetize Your Mind, it was really just another one of those experiences that I had that adds more proof to the fact that we really can create whatever it is that we want to create. And so the experience that I've had running a publishing house in a a very unorthodox, untraditional way, because when people think publishing house, there were authors who literally thought that we had a team of people in an office building with, you know, people in yeah. cubicles and a book printer. And I'm like, no, man, like we're all just chilling in our living rooms with our laptops. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so it, it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, I clearly have the ability to understand where I can identify skill sets that I have and then understand how to monetize those things. And that is really what helped me have the confidence to be able to release something the size of monetize your mind with the confidence that i had to put it out in the world because i saw an imminent need for people to understand that they actually can monetize their mind but it re- it requires us to completely unlearn what we have been taught to know about how one is supposed to create a livelihood or, or create a, a sense of safety and security for their families by way of the traditional workforce and this lie of job security and how that kind of dangles this carrot in front of people's you know, lives saying, mm-hmm. if I just do this, then I'll be safe and secure. But really, we're outsourcing our safety and security by putting it into someone else's hands or putting it into the hands of an employer. We don't know what's going to happen with that business. Yeah. And so I wanted people to understand that you can become your own source of financial security. Like you, that literally comes from within you so that you can always feel secure. You don't ever have to worry about your, your paycheck being taken away from you. If you understand that you can create money by exchanging value instead of earning money by trading your time for it. And so monetize your mind really does challenge. The, the status quo and it, and it challenges the way yeah. that people view the traditional workforce because it puts the power back into the individual, puts the responsibility back into the individual to start leading their lives in a way that provides their own sense of safety and security. And that can be really, really terrifying for people, right? So that's what monetize your mind Shit. is in a nutshell. But the, the publishing yeah. house was just another one of those things that I had done to prove my point, That we really can monetize our minds.
0: So, what came first was mym first, or was the publishing house like give? Because you know, I have a lot of women who follow me because you know I'm an entrepreneur. I have my marina. I'm you know self published. Well, I guess hybrid published author, and you know I have my cards. I have my stuff. I have this podcast, and you know I'm out there doing the things that are on my mind, that are on my heart, and and building business around that. So what would you say came first? Because I think a lot of my listeners are going to want to know like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but where, where, how do I take first steps? How did you take first steps to break free yeah, it's of interesting because
1: Yeah. Monetize your mind is really a deconstruction of my own process. When I came out of the workforce and I had to monetize my mind. I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time when I came out of the workforce. But what I did, because my my leap from corporate into entrepreneurship wasn't smooth or pretty, or well thought out. <laughs> it was radical. It was risky. It's not for the faint of heart. What I did, because I I walked away from a very healthy, futured, robust, salaried checkbox checkbox all the things benefits you know, pension, paid vacation, company vehicle, all the things. I had all the things that I yeah. was told I was supposed to have in order to be a successful adult. Like that was just, I'm like, I'm doing all the things. Why don't I feel successful? Yeah. And I had to well, challenge fulfilled. what success, it's
0: not even successful, but fulfilled. Exactly. Right? And and that's so exactly
1: many- what I had to realize was that I'm like, there's nothing fulfilling about what I'm doing now, but I'm just kind of going through the motions And doing the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing as a quote unquote, responsible adult, only to come out in my early 30s thinking this, how did I get here? This can't be what this is all about. This can't be the way that I'm supposed to lead my life. This, This doesn't make sense intuitively, even though mentally, I'm like, but this does make sense because this is what I'm supposed to be doing as an adult. So. I had this kind of internal war (laughs) that I was experiencing before the fear of going out on my own became so insignificant in comparison to the fear of staying where I was that I'm like, I'm out. I'm just, I'm done. And I walked away from my career with no backup plan other than a deep, deep, deep sense of self-trust that I can create something. I know I have value to bring to the table if I worked this hard for somebody else, then what am I capable of if I'm working for me and the future that I want? And so I had to figure out how to monetize my mind. I had to figure out what value I could bring to the table. And, and I started to take inventory of the work that I had done in my job, the things that really made me excel The things that also got me a lot of criticism, because those are often the things that when people kind of want to put a little bit of a lid on us, those are often areas about ourselves that we should probably examine a little bit more because there's gifts in there. And so I started to recognize that I had incredible leadership skills. I had an impeccable ability to motivate people and bring people together and inspire people to work towards the things that were really important to them in their careers how do they get that next right. career advancement how do they achieve their results how do they you know crush their reports all those things i could i could compel my staff to do these things in a way that was really exciting for them i'm like why can't i apply that to life how do i get people out of their own way and start moving towards the things that they really want to experience and achieve or become. And so that's what I recognized the value that I had and turned that into a leadership and empowerment platform outside of my nine to five grind. I'm like, we're going to do this now. (laughs) And that's, that's how I started. So that was before business coaching. That was before the publishing
0: house, but that's really where the root of it all began. So let me ask you this because I, you know, we live in, and you and I have had so many conversations about that. We live in a time right now where people love to hurl rocks and to jump down our, you know, a fellow human who they will have literally no relationship with down their throat have you suffered a lot of backlash about – like have people ever come at, well, yeah, of course you can MYM your life because you're white, you're a woman, your husband kept his job yep. and you – you like ha, do you get a lot of that backlash? And if so, how do you respond to it? Because I find that what, what we have in our society is – and I, and I believe it's been fed to us, mm-hmm. is we have the have and the have-nots. So there's a whole bunch of people in society that have been told that they haven't got it, they're never going to have it, and you've got people like us like, well, why not? Let's just try. But then, yeah, we're white, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and, and there's so much anger, right, between the two sides. So have you had to have you had to deal with that in trying to get people to undo that thinking? And if so, like for anybody listening right now, who's going to maybe send you an email or me an email and be like, well, isn't that nice for you and your privilege? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, what, how do you respond to that?
1: Yeah. It's really,
0: we all are in our own way, right? Yes. Yeah. and, And that, that is
1: what it comes down to is what beliefs have we adapted about ourselves and are they actually our own and that that's a whole journey that i had to start i would say early 2021 as i started to come to terms with the with the fact that the world isn't the way that i thought it was but that's kind of part two to this response part one i did have people say well of course you could walk away from your job you have a husband that also works full time and then therefore you can just live off of his paycheck <laughs> and therefore you know how hard was it for you to actually walk away from your job there's there's a couple different responses there because number one my salary was actually nearly double what my husband's was when I walked away from my career I had a very financially successful career and an even greater trajectory ahead of me had I stayed and so mm. taking the breadwinner's salary out of the household, literally overnight, biweekly paycheck stopped dead. That, that right. felt no different to me than me not having anybody else to fall back on because that w- my yeah. paycheck was a large contributing factor to our home. But the second part to that is even if it wasn't, it's irrelevant because the way that I committed to trusting myself was as though there was zero dollars coming into this household period, whether or not, whether, whether my husband worked or not, the way that I approached starting my business was as though if I don't make this happen, we're going to lose it all. So there, there, to me, there wasn't this, you know, idea of a, of a safety net, that I had by way of my husband's paycheck because mentally that's not how I approached it. If I had of allowed myself to say, Oh, it's, I don't have to you know, go too hard on this because my husband works and it's not that big of a deal that would have given yeah. me the ultimate cop out. And, and I knew yeah. that in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to feel as though I am relying on my husband in order to financially float us right now. Because if I allow myself to approach my business like that, That's going to give me the ultimate excuse, ultimate excuse to not give it all I've got. And so that wasn't even a factor for me.
0: Without losing your cool, we've got your gift giving needs covered, whether it's a holiday gift, if it's a support gift, if it's a little extra love that somebody in your life needs gift or a parent who needs a little more guidance, advice, and the knowing that they are not alone out there in their parenting journey. We have got you covered. If you know somebody who is deepening their relationship to self, grab them the Self Love Bundle. It includes the Loving Yourself Without Losing Your Cool book, Loving Yourself Journal that accompanies the book, and Love Notes for adults. If you have somebody in your life who's expecting or has a little from zero to 10, then the Raising Kids Bundle is the perfect gift set for them. It comes with the Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool and Love Notes for Littles. If you have a parent in your inner circle who is heading into tween and teendom, boy, have we got the gift set for you. Parenting your teens without losing your cool comes with love notes for tweens or teens. You get to choose. All of this is available for you at chantelbisson.com. If you're shopping chantelbisson.com for the very first time, don't forget to add yourself to the newsletter to claim your shopping discount code. Go now. Go now. Yeah. I love it. So when people come to you and want to work with you, either with you as a business coach or in your monetize your mind, what, what are, what are the greatest excuses? Cause I'm thinking, I'm picturing right now, somebody's listening, you know, and they've got health issues or they are on their own and they have to do that nine to five grind. Like do people come to you from these circumstances? And if they do, how do you, how do you support them in in helping them change their mindset. Well, that's that's exactly a lot of undoing to do, right?
1: Yeah, it's a lifetime of undoing because the excuses that we have are only what we're conscious of. And that's where we get tricked because we have absolutely no idea what's actually beneath what we're consciously aware of, AKA our, our subconscious mind, which is really at the wheel in absolutely everything that we do. And we don't understand why we're making these decisions, even though we're conscious of the decisions that we're making, we don't understand what the root of that decision is actually from. And so the mindset aspect of things is critical from a business standpoint. So myself as the strategist who has a framework to completely simplify, and I'm not, don't confuse simplifying with meaning that it's easy because business is not easy but we don't need to make it harder by overcomplicating it. (laughs) So my job is to simplify the process and I focus solely on fundamentals as opposed to the bells and whistles and the latest, you know, fads and all that stuff. And, and that's what I support my clients with, but knowing how deeply rooted belief systems are. Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to whether or not we believe that we can do it and whether or not we actually believe we're worth it or deserving of it. That's what it all comes down to. It doesn't matter what 3 billion excuses we may consciously have, but why we can't, it all boils down to, I don't believe I can do it, I don't believe I'm worth, I can do it. I don't believe I'm deserving to be able to have a life like this or, be, or to be able to see receive money like that. And so I have coaches embedded in monetize your mind who specialize in the subconscious work because I can't, I don't understand how a person can actually move through the motions of business, which is arguably one of the most confronting things a person will ever face because the insecurities that going into business for yourself surfaces <laughs> is I don't even know if there's a word to encapsulate the magnitude of holy shit that comes up when you when you decide that I'm gonna trust myself the universe is gonna be like <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah? <laughs> yeah but then
0: the first or line of hardship so often- go ahead No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say the first sign of
1: hardship. It's like, oh, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. Like everyone on Instagram seems to just be able to go boom, 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 and everything's so lickety split. Why is this hard for me? What is wrong with me? Maybe this isn't worth doing. And so they retreat back into their quote unquote comfort zone, which is also a lie. P.S. Because there's no way that a comfort zone is actually comfortable for you if you know that there is somewhere else you desire to be in your life. There's no way that's actually comfortable for a person but without I understanding what's actually that. at play. Mm-hmm, that's the
0: truth. It is the truth. And I love that. Beca- and, and and that's something that ultimately passed the like having in common that I was writing books and you were an independent publisher that initially drew me to you and your humor on social media. You know, one thing that I really love about you is the way that you don't shy away from those tough conversations, you know, because and, and I do and I find myself doing this all the time it's like you know it gets tough as it's want to do because it's business and you can't control the outside elements when you're having a business but what you can't control is you and how you react to mm-hmm. the difficulties and how are you going to step up to your own plate right mm-hmm. when when you're met with you know because when you're in business for yourself you're constantly coming up against things you've never done before you've never seen before because you know we can't predict covid we can't predict you know manufactured economic crisis you know what I mean? we can we can't predict any of that and then yeah. we still have to stand up in it and carry on and push forward and i love that you never shy away from that and and what i want to ask you about sort of being in business is when somebody comes to you who's been working with you and they're ready to throw in the towel you know because it does get difficult because we have all these obstacles being thrown at us constantly mm-hmm. How do you encourage somebody to get past that, you yeah. know, to get past the the lie of, oh, if I go back to where I was, I tried this, I don't, it's never going to work for me. This is not going to happen for me. This is not, I'm not lucky like those other people. I'm not lucky like Sarah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's not going to happen for me. And they retreat back into the lie oftentimes because they either have a partner or they have parents or they have people around them going, yeah, see, I told you, it's, it's hard. It's okay. It's, you know, it's not for everybody. And I think we all come up against those demons, right? And those demons can be really real life people in our fucking circle <laughs> who are like, I knew it wouldn't work. It's okay. It didn't work. Yeah. How do you, how do you support somebody to keep going? Those
1: are, those are the sneaky ones where they're quietly happy that it's not working out for you. So watch out for those ones. <laughs> because we all have them right. in our spaces and at least until we identify them and then we can make a choice there. Um, right. there's, there's a number of things that, that we can deploy to kind of reignite the passion or the motivation. And there's all sorts of mindset stuff that, you know, they talk about your why, like there's all, there's all the kind of cliche things that are, that are very important to understand and anchor into. But at the end of the day, When someone is ready to throw in the towel because things feel hard for them, it's because they're making their business about them. And if we can shift away from the belief that my business is about me and everything is hard for me and things feel sticky for me and I feel upset or I feel frustrated or I feel defeated, it's like your business isn't even about you. So why are you making it all about you? When you can recognize that your business is actually for the people that you are here to serve and support, it makes it a lot mm. easier for you to get through the days where things just happen to feel particularly hard for you. We we have to also recognize the perception that we have of what business actually requires of us. And I'm not a parent, but I've heard from everybody in my life who is that when you have a child there is a lot of things you're like oh my god this is hard or oh my god you know i've got these shadows that are coming up in my life or these it's like this little mirror walking around showing me all of the things that i have not addressed in my life or have right. healed within myself business is the same because every time we put ourselves out there especially if we face criticism or if we put something out we put our blood sweat tears into and it doesn't work maybe the launch doesn't go so well Maybe you you put it out there and there's just crickets and you're like, oh, my God, you know, our our instinct is our, our ego just wants to put us back into safeness. Just go back to where, you know, things are more predictable or someone yeah. else is giving you money every two weeks and just, you know, kind of get back into just take the responsibility off your plate. Right. That's what our, yeah. our ego is constantly telling us. But we have to, I think, be really honest about what being in business actually takes. And it is a constant constant level of work that we're putting into ourselves as the business owner, because our business will only grow to the extent that we are willing to grow. And so if our business is stunted early in the game, and that causes us, that's enough for us to retreat. That is a big, big, big sign that there is work to do within. And so my, my approach to business.
0: Yeah. I love that so much that drawing that line from self work to quitting, you know what I mean? Like the, and the ego, how ego ties into everything and ego ties into the worst sides of everything. You know what I mean? Like, and being, and being results driven, right. And being result driven comes from ego. And the fact that you've said, if you, if you if you stand in your why, which sounds so cliche, but if you stand in your why of why you're doing the thing that you're doing, then When it doesn't hit right out the gate, and I think I think there's a poison right from social media, like you said earlier, where there's this expectation that I'm going to do it and it's just going to hit because that's what it looks like everybody else is doing on Instagram. But that's all bullshit. Like it doesn't just you don't see the hours and hours and hours it took before they even launched the damn business. You know what I mean? Like all you see is the launch. You don't see all the the groundwork. So there's this mentality of like if it doesn't happen within 48 hours, I'm just I'm just we walk away right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where, you know, if if we're not willing to look at ourselves as much as we're willing to look at our business, your business will not sustain, like, period. I I will tell anyone that if you are not willing to work on yourself, your business will not stand the test of time. And I, I do believe that there are people who are out there and they are just wired to get shit done. And like, I'm one of those people I'm wired for business. Business is very common sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is my career. The other part of it is just I observe things I'm very objective about business. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm, I don't have emotions when it comes to my business, but I'm able to yeah. kind of remove myself from things a little bit easier to allow me to see moves I need to make, regardless of what my ego and my fear is telling me to do. But but at the end of the day if we're not willing to challenge ourselves on what feels challenging to us then how how do we expect to be able to build our dreams if if the first sign of something being hard or confronting or embarrassing or maybe you feel just weird about something if you're not willing to be like why is this occurring within me why does this feel difficult for me why am i so afraid right now if you're not asking those questions because you're only asking why is that not working yeah. and and how come everyone else is doing this? if you're not asking those questions big old mirror in front of yourself in front of yourself why does this feel like this for me Mm -hmm. because we're all individual humans that are so totally different from one another. We have totally different experiences, backgrounds, upbringings, traumas. Like there's so much that comes to the table when we choose to go into business because our business is just an extension of us. So we'd be foolish to think that we're not bringing our stuff into our (laughs) business. And so we have to be willing to look at what is going on there before we make the decision to be like, I'm not doing this anymore.
0: I love how you said... I'm embarrassed, man. That was like, you shot an arrow into my heart because when, as soon as those words came out of your mouth, I was like, every time I've ever thought of throwing in the towel, either without, without losing your cool or even with my Marina, it's always rooted in, I'm so embarrassed. What are people going to think? Like, well, first off, get your head out of your ass. Nobody's paying that close attention to you anyway. <laughs> right. You're <laughs> the only one paying they that really close aren't. attention. Aren't. They really aren't. And the reality is, is like, if you can, if you, me, you, me, if I can accept the ebbs and flows of business and the trial and error of business and, you know, giving more up to universe and the understanding of like, just stay in your lane, speak your truth. If it ignites passion within me and it feels true for me, just keep going. And eventually the people will come, you know, they will, your people will come to you. And that's something I want to say, man, because in 2020 you and I really, really got deep into each other because you and I were on the fringe, you know, we were, (laughs) we were asking the questions that a lot of people weren't asking. We were being persecuted for asking the questions and we, You know, and I feel like that's where we really dug in deep to each other and became aligned, not just as fellow entrepreneurs, but as fellow women standing up and saying, wait a minute, I have questions. I want to ask, why are we running so fast in this one direction to pharmaceutical? Why are we not? Can we just stop the train? And you and I, and luckily for you, you had the platform where you could be even more vocal, and you've gone so far with it. I mean, your trailblazer, and your how you are teaching women about politics and to get involved and to continue to ask questions. I just, I, I stand in awe of your freedom. You know, I'm, 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 I feel so lucky that you get to be that. You and I've had these conversations. My husband works for who he works for, and I've had to be very guarded and be particular in how I share my mm-hmm. views which is not easy for me because I'm a big mouth woman. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't want to go down in history as being on that side. I've never been on that side. You know, so I'm just grateful that I've had this relationship and friendship with you that I could always come to you and say, Sarah, I just need somebody to be able to share these thoughts with because we were aligned in that. So yeah. when that all happened, when 2020 reared its ugly head and there, it was so polarizing, did you find it was more difficult to continue running your business? even though it was for entrepreneurs even though it was business coaching and what did you find it was difficult to continue with even the status quo and how to teach people how to have their own businesses knowing that we had this other fight going on yes
1: and no in 2020 i actually put my business coaching down for about 6 months and focused solely on my publishing house even though i had to i had to take a sharp pivot there because we also had a huge event sector attached to that as well that obviously got obliterated in all of this and so it's was like we're going all in on publishing is what we're doing because there was a part of me that was feeling very conflicted yeah. and in early 2020 I didn't know why I, I wasn't my eyes weren't open I was just like this is kind of strange <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I just had this internal feeling. But what I immediately saw in early 2020, I'm like, this isn't going to be good for the economy. My my business brain immediately right. went there. And I faced quite a bit of criticism because I was trying to tell people as as people were closing their businesses, people were getting laid off because their their stores had to shut down, or the restaurants had to shut down, their gyms had to shut down. My sister was directly impacted by that as a personal trainer. Yeah, and I was like, guys, we got to understand that we got to we got to create our own economy, right? Like, we understand that, yeah. and, and and so I, I literally launched a mastermind called Create Your Own Economy in May of 2020 because I'm like, guys, that we can't let this happen. We can't let this be dictating how you're able to actually create a livelihood for yourself. Right. So my brain was already in that mode, even though I didn't really understand anything past the fact that it's very concerning that the government can just order businesses to shut down that was like this was this there was a very uneasy feeling happening within me and I immediately saw people so easily becoming victims of this I'm like no 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 we we can create our own economy we don't have to you know fall prey to these very very intense mandates that were starting to show their faces but there was something else brewing in me that I, I couldn't really identify and I got about halfway through my launch for create your own economy and I shut it down and I said, I actually don't know that I can carry this right now. And so I shut down my launch. I refunded everybody who had already signed up and I took a huge step back be like, what, what is actually happening and and what is my role and purpose here? Because what was happening within me? was this growing realization that I actually didn't know who I was. Yeah. And this this is something that started to really bubble up in the back half of 2020 as a result of the the BLM movement. And as someone who has a lot of compassion, I was deeply invested in doing the right thing, what I thought at the time yeah. was doing the right thing, and internally, what was underneath that compassion was absolute level of fear and dread that I have never experienced before, because I felt in a like I was in a very, very precarious situation as a white woman business yeah. owner. Yeah. and the the fact that, you know i was I was doing this work to to learn and understand the the pain and, and all of the things that were occurring, there was still a part of me that no longer felt confident in what I was doing. I I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. I'm like, how am I so out of touch with my with my inner knowing? How am I so out of touch with myself? Why is it so easy to rock me right now? And And that was like a big old awakening in and of itself to the fact that I actually didn't really know what I stood for. I didn't know what my value systems were. And so I went on this, you know, soul discovery mission to figure out who the hell Sarah Swain even was. And Mm -hmm. that's what led into 2021. When I think because I worked so deeply on that connection to myself, be like, what is actually going on? How are you feeling? I would sit with my feelings Chantel to the point of wanting to explode. Like I wasn't listening to podcasts. I wasn't reading any more books. I wasn't even listening to music. I wasn't watching TV. Like I was sitting with the noise in my head, and it was dreadfully stressful to sort through all of that. But I, th- I think it's because of that that then, when other things started to surface, when you know the the medical interventions were starting to pop up, and and I could see this really dangerous level of division brewing, and I could see what our government was doing, and yeah. There was just a deeper level of of connection to myself where I was able to look at things and go, "Whoa, what is actually going on here yeah, and so this was pre monetize your mind I was you know going through the throes of, of doing my best in my publishing house, because for a period of time, that's all I had. Right. There was, there was nothing about, you know, the state that I was in that could go over and above. I mean, the, the, the version of me that so many of you know now is not what was going on between the middle of 2020 to middle of 2021. I was, I was in, in warfare within myself. So I was just doing what I could to keep things moving until I found the courage to start voicing my concerns. And I was ready. I it, I recognized that it was a hill I was willing to die on. And I surrendered to that. Yeah. Because this growing feeling of of not saying something was starting to, it felt like it was chewing away at the inside of my body. I'm like, well, this is actually harmful to me. And, and speaking out can't be more harmful than what I'm currently experiencing by, by right. censoring myself. And so I have to say something. And it, I, I remember I screenshotted my Instagram account. And I said to my, my best friend and Meigs, and she's someone who has a, you know, a lot of critical roles in my business. I was like, yeah. let's watch it burn. And I was ready for it to all go out. All of my 1,300 followers. I'm like, it's all going to go
0: away. <laughs> now you're and- like 30,000 or something wild, right? <laughs> yeah. You stepped into yeah, the it- truth.
1: Well, that's exactly what that was about, and I, I didn't realize that that's what was going to happen because I was ready to be attacked. I was ready to be canceled. I was ready to to just have everybody up and leave. And it's interesting because I was I was I'll call it silently canceled. People yeah. just stopped talking to me. I, I was I was fortunate enough, I guess, by comparison, that I didn't get publicly canceled. I didn't have like people Kid coming Carson. for my head
0: like your friend like Carson or yeah. even
1: my friend Kayler Betts I mean they went oh, yeah. for him hard when he started to share his thoughts around the same time I did a couple months before me right he had like college or university professors doing like studies on him and and his level of narcissism like it was wild what was happening out there and and so the risk was significant if you were a business owner but I was at this point where I was like, if I lose it all, I lose it all because I, I, this is a direct violation of my personal value system, which I had come to identify as a result of getting to know myself again. It's like, I can't, I was like, I'll go down here and, and I'm fine with it. I will be at peace if yeah. this is it for me. And, and so the opposite started to happen and, and I had authors coming to me. I had clients coming to me. Because they were sitting in this dreadful level of silence and fear, too, that they were the only person that thought that this was very concerning concerning what was happening. And I had people who I had worked with, clients, authors who were injured by the medical intervention, and they didn't have anyone to talk to.
0: Mm-hmm. Their
1: doctors were, were denying the fact that anything was wrong. Their, their friends and family were ostracizing them because they were yeah. saying, yo, this, this actually did something to my body and we need to talk about this. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, we're actually not alone. And, and that's, that was the wildest part for me was we all sat there thinking we were the only freaking person in the well, world but that they thought something that was
0: off. Right. Yes. They made it that way. It was intentional. It was set up. Yeah that those of us who were questioning those of us who like, I, I I mean, I wasn't anti anything. I was pro. Can we just stand back and can we watch a little bit? Can we, you know, can we trust our own bodies? You know, I, I've, since Mm -hmm. 2006, I've been living more of a holistic lifestyle and eating organic and, and, you know, looking after myself and my family in that way. And I just, I just, for me, what troubled me was the great mad rush you know, and yeah. that anybody yeah. who didn't have that sense of urgency within themselves were being painted with a brush, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, when did it become, you know, someone might want implants and someone might not, well, that's a medical decision. Like what yeah. someone might want Botox, someone might not want Botox. Like right. we were, we're all okay to give people freedom of choice until this moment happened. So is that, and I've, I've never asked you this, but it. Is that where the book Sovereign came from? Although yes. is, it's a collection of stories of your authors who mm-hmm. felt very isolated and alone during that mm-hmm.
1: time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly where it came from. Because, you know, much like you said, it, the the just this mad rush. <laughs> there was, you know, I call it half the population that was like, I got to go out and get this thing. Mm-hmm. And then the next, maybe ten percent of the population needed to have some sort of incentive, so there there were cash prizes, or you know, giveaways, or lotteries, and things of that nature. And then it stopped. It's like, okay, the rest of us though, we're not really interested in this, and and so this progression of intensity and coercion ramping up towards the end of twenty twenty one when workplace mandates started coming in and you were actually no longer allowed in public places. You could not go watch your children play hockey. You were not allowed to dine in restaurant establishments. You know, f- just this laundry list of of holy shit, we are being banished from society. Yeah. That that was actually the birthplace of of monetize your mind, but I'll come back to that but the, the, going back to the book you know in early 2022 as a result of the the freedom movement and and all the the big rigs heading to Ottawa which was the most misunderstood and misrepresented movement of our history mm-hmm. uh, just the 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 horrible horrible way in which it was painted in the media in order to get people to turn away from it and be terrified to associate themselves with it was highly effective form of propaganda mm-hmm. because it worked and but what that what what that actually gifted to us was the realization of oh my god look how many of us there are <laughs> like <laughs> we didn't know that that there were so many of us You know, um, you know what, I find but what was me? happening to so many of us who, I,
0: yeah what? i have i have friends because i want to i want to make sure i don't forget this with my menopause brain I have friends who did do the medical intervention who went to Ottawa because Mm -hmm. they had started to become awake. And they went to Ottawa because they wanted to see what was really going on, because they had done everything that they were asked to do. And they had done it because they, in their mind, they wanted to be kind and they wanted to, you know, be charitable to fellow, you know, their fellow Canadians. And, but then as the table started to turn, as you're saying in 2021, they went because they wanted to see what their own eyes, what's really going on. And they, it was a very pivotal time for some of my friends who were like, holy shit, that's not at what is being displayed. What we are being told is not at all what's going on. So part one of why I want to jump in here. And then the second thing that I wanted to jump in, do you know, I have other friends who did all all of it, and and said yes, and, and and that's fine. And we're friends. And and some of my friends have friends, you know, wrote me messages like, "You're a murderer." I hope you don't kill anybody you love, and then stop talking. I was like, I don't need that in my life. And now they're mm-hmm. like, "Sweetie, I miss you." Like, like they never literally called me a murderer, and I'm like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you you called me yeah, a murderer. Right. We're not friends. We're not the same. We're not the same people. But I have friends who did do all the things and we were able to continue our relationship and have a healthy, vibrant friendship. And do you know the number of times some of those friends would say to me, what do you mean you can't go to a restaurant? Like, they didn't know. Like, they didn't even know that there had been such a line drawn. And I'm like, what are you looking at? Like, where where are you getting your information? I have friends who are in the media, media. And I'm talking like, currently on television who are like you couldn't travel and i'm like you were on tv you were on you are daily on tv in media how can you not know that i that we couldn't do all these like it was it was just yeah. Pull. Po- it, it was so shocking. shocking that they knew a lot of one thing but they knew nothing of the other and i just I, I feel like I was forever changed. I was never a big news pe- person anyway. And Yannick used to say to me, you've got to watch the news because what, how are you going to talk to people at like events and at functions? And I'm like, well, I'll talk to them about stuff that is not news related. But, you know, so for me, what I I was fortunate enough that I just, that's not just been who I am, but yeah. it was, I think that was super polarizing yeah. just seeing firsthand
1: but that's what exactly people? why that's exactly why we wrote the Sovereign was yeah. because realizing how many people had absolutely no idea what was actually going on in, in the brutal, brutal things that people were experiencing. some people didn't survive this some yeah. some people succumbed to such mental health trauma as a result of this that they didn't survive this literally. Yeah. And I mean, we're what june twenty twenty three it was just last month that the United States said that we're allowed back across the border and mm-hmm. and so you know the the fact that between the media and the extreme level of censorship that was happening on social media i I was gravely concerned that history was not going to be recorded properly and that mm-hmm. people wouldn't know the truth because people who, you know, say, "Oh, just get over it. It's over." or, you know, "Big deal. You weren't allowed in bars. Like, why are you so upset about it?" It's like that is minuscule in comparison to what we actually see occurring in our world right now. And and that is part of that, you know, for lack of a better term, awakening. When we start to see things on a larger scale of what's actually at play here, I didn't give a rat's ass that I couldn't go to a bar. I saved a lot of money and I got real healthy, and we cooked everything at home and <laughs> spent wow. a lot more time just kind of hanging out and, and, you know, having some peaceful weekends because no one really wanted to hang out with us anymore. It's like, okay, I mean, I can get through all of that stuff, but the the larger, more nefarious things that were at play, I, I couldn't turn a blind yeah. eye to that because I knew how powerful the, yeah. the control of the messaging and information was. And so that's why we wrote the sovereign because I wanted to make sure that there was something on paper because we can't, yeah. we can't control, you know, if, if, and when we're just going to be deleted off the internet with a stroke of a finger. So you know, all the things that we we speak about online or write in blogs or, mm-hmm. you know, do anywhere in the digital space, that content can be so easily manipulated that if if we really want to make sure that the the next generation have a different perspective of what is occurring during these times, and we needed to share our stories. And so that's that was the birthplace of of the Sovereign. And that was honestly my kind of like final tribute to the world of publishing anthologies and and collections of nonfiction stories. I knew that that was going to be a big bookend for me. and and that's how I was that was probably my final publishing. Project where I I physically contributed to a book, but it was it was so significant. When I put a call out, to say, like, anyone want to share their stories in this book? Because I'm willing to, you know, Die work with you show. and craft the stories and pull everything out. And it was all about personal freedoms. Like, what was your path to personal freedom? Because the, you know, the 15 of us that wrote in that book all had such radically different lives. We all collided during these times because of what had occurred and how right. we had been personally impacted by it. And so Everyone's journeys are so different in that book, but we all arrived in the same place in 2022. And at least now I know there's thousands of thousands of copies of that book all over the world. And, yeah. and that gives me a little bit of, of peace knowing that at least there's something else out there that may tell a different story of I what has that- occurred here in the last couple of years.
0: So, you know, for me, something that, I want anybody listening if you're still listening because you know how people are still so sensitive about people who didn't, you know, didn't walk the path. And you know, that's what I find fascinating. It's like, I, I don't, I don't agree with people who did choose to get to do the medical intervention, but then I'm just, I'm just not that person anyway. And I wasn't before 2020, you know what I mean? Like I, I, always leaned toward the side of like, oh, my body is an incredible machine and I'm going to let it do its thing. And I had great faith in, you know, like I've d- already decided I'm going to be 96. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm just not going to wake up. That's how I'm ending. That's where it's going. I'm going to be disease-free. I-, I just- I That's I've a good always- death plan. <laughs> That's my death plan. Yeah. This is my death plan. That's how I'm going out. So I've always <laughs> had that sort of in me, you know what I mean? Like this inherent trust in myself. And maybe it's from my years of you know, sexual abuse and that trauma. Like I've, I've learned to be so connected to myself and trust myself. But so whether or not it had been mandated or not, I don't think I could have been swayed anyway. Do you know what I mean? But I still respect anybody who did. And I get why you did. Everybody around me, say for like maybe a half a dozen people, did it. And I was Mm -hmm. able to still love them and honor them and respect Mm -hmm. them and Be close, I mean, and still be in relationship. I think for me, the hardest part of all of it, and if you're still listening, is like, if I can love and respect you for your choices, I just never, the thing that hurt the most is I just could never understand the visceral hatred to those of us who chose not. You know what I mean? Like, it just never added up.
1: It was, it was visceral. That's, that's exactly the word. And and there's some really great reels that have been put together
0: mm-hmm. string
1: of, of, you know, media personalities who are saying atrocious things yeah. about yeah. those of us who, who chose not to make that decision. And, you know, when, when you have pop culture, so embedded into messaging, I understand why the collective mindset went in the direction that it did. How could it have not when in every single media outlet, we were being pummeled by this message and Mm -hmm. the disassociation of, of people from people like us, the dehumanization, the death wishes, the, we're not going to help you in, in the hospital if you have a heart attack. So mm-hmm. sorry on I mean, it, it was, I, I look back on that and I actually wonder how I mentally survived that. Right. Knowing that that was, it wasn't just what was coming out of every single form of media. It was then coming from everyone in our lives yeah. because of what they were being programmed to believe about people like us because of what was happening on the media. And mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing that we have come out on the other side of this as put together mm-hmm. as as we are because that was arguably the most painful and terrifying thing I'd I'd ever experienced because I was watching people fall for it. And I don't yeah. mean fall for it the medical intervention that's a whole other can of worms. I mean yeah. I mean fall for the narrative. The narrative uh, of of choosing to hate and choosing to wish death upon a certain group of people or just completely be totally fine with a certain group of people being entirely banned from society the the yeah. ease at which people made those decisions scared me more than anything our government did me too. and and that's where you know that was a that was a dark winter you know that that winter of 2021
0: mm-hmm. where we
1: didn't know how bad it was going to get i remember one particular day I, I was afraid you know right before the the travel mandates came where we weren't allowed to get on a plane yeah or a train or anything of that nature I my fight or flight survival mode was at a, at a at a peak I'd never experienced before mm-hmm. and I looked at my passport I'm like oh my God it expires in 2023 maybe I can try and get an early renewal on this just in case I need to be able to to flee my country yeah. I mean this this is where my head was at. And I went on to the government website to renew, and, and I'm, I'm still to this day kicking myself for not screenshotting this because I became the queen of screenshotting shit over the I last know, couple you. of years. Be like proof, proof, <laughs> proof. Yeah, in in red letters with asterisks next to the passport renewal on the government website. New vaccination passport or proof of vaccination required to renew my passport as a Canadian citizen. And I tell you the 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 way in which my my blood felt <laughs> my cells felt the the hairs on every single pore of my body felt in that moment was like the the world was closing in on me and 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 so that winter was it was it was dreadful absolutely dreadful and so you know when when the mandates came in and and I saw people literally who who had been vehemently opposed to this all of a sudden be like oh my god they're going to take my paycheck away if I don't do this, that I think was equal parts, what saved me because my passion flared up again, because I'm like, I actually have a solution to this. Yeah. And it also completely destroyed me all at the same time. And and this is I called my my chapter in the sovereign the great paradox, because it's like the best and the worst was happening in every single moment throughout all of this. And that's, that's what was the, behind the creation of monetize your mind, because I was like, no, you do have a choice. You just need to understand how to monetize the value that you actually bring to this world outside of what we've been taught to put on a stupid freaking resume in yeah. order to be appealing for a very specific corporation or, or, or entity that's going to employ you. You, you can do this. And, and it made me realize how bloody dependent we are as a society on our paychecks and how like so many people could not afford to walk away because they didn't have money coming in from any other source. And that's what birthed monetize your mind. Because I was like, no, we, we need, we need to change the narrative around money. We need to change the narrative around personal security. We need to change the narrative around what we actually get to do with our life and how we actually have so much power to be able to create the life that we want—it's not just some pipe dream. It's not just something that you see a certain number of people in the world benefiting from or being, you know, "quote unquote" privileged to be able to do. It's like no, we just we need to believe first that we can do this. We have to believe in what it is that that we're creating, and and we have to believe that we can we can actually make this happen. Because if if that had been the position that we were all in as a society, yeah, this whole attack on us would have never worked. Would have never happened. It would have no never idea. worked. This is what made us so easy to be manipulated into doing something that so many people didn't want to do.
0: People lost reliance. their lives. Yeah.
1: Yep. It's our reliance, it's our dependence. And you know, people have been so atrociously injured. People have been killed. People committed suicide because they couldn't handle the ostracization in their workplace because they were told they had to go eat in another room because yeah. they, they weren't allowed to go sit with the, with the people who did make that decision and did the right thing. And, you know, yeah. <clears throat> my, th- this flame that erupted in me and be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we are not allowing this to happen again. So if, if there does end up being a phase two for this, where, you know, society en masse is is cornered again, being like, oh my God, if I don't do this, I'm going to lose my sense of security. I will right. be hell bent that we're ever put in that position again. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about what I do because it's giving people the knowledge and the understanding of what they can actually go do and start laying some foundations down, start building some framework So that maybe it's not next week that you all of a sudden have another robust stream of income out of nowhere might take you five years, but aren't, aren't you going to be so glad in, you know, what's five years from now, the year 2028 that you started in 2023. So by 2028, you're like, Oh, I actually have a a, a sense of security that I have created for myself from within I'm yeah. good now. It doesn't matter if if anything else happens, if whether that is some draconian government measure that is, you know, struck down upon us again, or it's just your the company you work for closes shop. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Why not be able to just rely on yourself?
0: Well, and I think that, you know, that's the perfect well, I I mean I think it's the perfect question to leave everybody with is What are you going to do? I mean, I think we've learned so much over these past few years. I would hope that it's revealed a lot in every one of us on both sides of this fence. That if there's nothing else that we question, we question the importance of your role in society as a whole and in your own ability to have some sort of control of your life because ultimately. It's one life. And who are you going to give your power to? Isn't not yeah. better to own your own power and to be able to know that you can stand on your own two feet. And mm-hmm. and again, that's just what I love about what you're sharing with everybody is helping people to come to that realization that we all we do all have options. And really it's about where, what are what truth are we going to stand in and what truth are we going to hold on to? So I, I'm so excited. I get to come and speak at your conference in September. Yannick and I are going to come and speak about, you know, self being self-employed and being in relationship, but for people who are just meeting you from my followers who maybe haven't followed you before, where can I direct people to hang out with you, to learn more, to ask you questions, to get clarification, or if they want to take that leap into becoming their own boss, how can they, how can they connect with you?
1: First of all, thank you so much for giving me the space to be able to share all of this because I'm I'm very very passionate about what's going on in our world and, you know, the fact that we there's solutions everywhere. We just have to get past the fear of oh my right. goodness. There there's a whole other level of power that we thought we had and we didn't and we have to reclaim that and make it ours again. Okay. And, you know, for people listening who may may not have been directly impacted in their workplace, what, what I want you to reflect on is this, you saw it happen to other people, which means it can happen to you. And it may not be a medical intervention next time, but it could be something that so grossly violates your value system that you will be put in a position to have to choose between your paycheck and standing your ground for what is viscerally important to you. And so if you weren't impacted by what has already occurred, consider what may happen in the future and make sure that you are prepared to be able to have the power to walk away from something so that you can maintain your value system and stand for what you believe in without the fear of your livelihood being taken from you. So I I just wanted to say that when it comes to where people can connect with me, easiest place is my Instagram account. I'm (laughs) hyperactive in that space. Uh, I love hanging out with people on Instagram. My account is I am Sarah Swain, Sarah with an H. Um, And my website is sarahswain.ca. In order to connect with me on what we do and monetize your mind, it's simply sarahswain.ca forward slash M Y M. And the event that you were just speaking about, Chantel, a huge honor to be able to have you and Yannick there take the stage as a as a power couple because the reality of people building businesses also bleeds into the home. It bleeds into the marriage. It impacts relationships. And and that's often a, a discussion that is wildly underrated and and not yeah. brought to the table enough. So I'm I'm thrilled that you're both going to be there to share. You know, what that experience is like for you and and how you've been able to maintain such a a beautiful marriage after both of you have had so many different things going on in your own careers and lives. So thank you for that. And again, just thank you for 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 giving me the space to talk about this because I my my genuine passion is helping people understand that there's no greater place for you to source power and control and security and safety than quite literally from within yourself. And it's also, if, if you're listening to this episode and, and the state of the world feels absolutely terrifying to you because you see what's at play here, the best way to be able to kind of coexist with the fear, because it is real, is to be in action towards something that you want, the thing that you desire, the life that you know you deserve to have, yeah. And so even if the the steps that we're making are small, and it yeah. feels like, you know, weeks or months have gone by, we're like, I don't really feel like I'm making any headway here, you're still moving in the right direction and know that all of those baby steps you're taking matter significantly. And just trust that the compound effect is always on our side when we're moving in the right direction. It takes more time for some than others. It doesn't mean that you don't have what it takes. It just means it may take you more time, but it's worth it. Like I said earlier, if it takes you five years in 2028, you're going to be hella glad that you started in 2023. So we need less people giving up on their dreams, (laughs) more people moving towards them, regardless of what that journey looks like, because it's usually messy as hell. Like just surrender to the fact that it is messy as hell when you are creating the life that you want. But you know, the faster you can fall in love with with the wild process of entrepreneurship and the ebbs and the flows and the highs and the lows and the face plants and the triumphs and everything in between, the more enjoyable it all becomes.
0: I love all of that, and I just want to add one thing to everything that Sarah just said. I strongly encourage anybody who's on the precipice to turn off your phone, turn off your TV, turn off the noise and go deep. Sarah said she did it for herself. I know I had to as well. Yeah. Listen to yourself, like really, really go quiet. And I think so many of us are not willing to go quiet uh, out of fear, insecurity, what have you. I just, I want to encourage every single person listening and it doesn't need to be to be on one side or the other side in anything, but I feel we, we have one life. And the most important relationship that we need to have is relationship to self. And I feel like when we allow too much noise to be present, we don't end up having any relationship to ourself and life is over before you know it. And you're at the end and you're going, who did I love? How did I, you know what I mean? So I'm so grateful that you took time to come and hang out with me and to be a part of season three and I just I I have such mad respect and love for you and I just I wish we could I wish we had th- three hours because like, we have so much more I know maybe season four, maybe season four you can come back
1: I'll come back in season four for sure thank you so much for having me Chantel it's been an honor
0: thank you my friend thanks so much I'm so grateful you joined in on this conversation. Subscribe where you're listening. Leave a comment. Connect with us on social media for more and all the links. You can find them in the show notes. We will see you at the next one.